I can honestly say everything I have up to this point is thanks to my YouTube channel. Everything. Wow. <laughs> everything. It totally changed my life in a sense because it really sets you as the authority. Uh, when people see you on a TV screen or on a computer screen, it just automatically has this like little mental switch that, oh, he must know what he's talking about or whatever. So that helps. But also if you're giving true good advice and good content, people trust you a lot when, you, when they see you on a video, it seems like. And then like you said, when they see you at real estate investing events, they just know you and, oh, you're that guy. Welcome to the On Fire Podcast, episode 11. With your hosts, Matt and Kellen. On Fire is a weekly podcast where we discuss financial independence, life hacking, frugality, minimalism, and living within your means. Reviews. I mean, we seem to be having a failure to communicate here, guys. Uh, every week on this podcast, I communicate to you the importance of leaving a review, and every week you pretend to not know what a review is. So... I will allow this injustice to continue no longer. Pause this podcast, hop over to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you're listening, and share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and a written review. Because, I mean, a review is way more frugal than a paywall. And thank you to everyone who has left the review so far. We highly appreciate it. So in today's episode, Matt is a joint venture specialist who has used YouTube to build up a real estate portfolio of 11 properties with partners before the age of 30 in Kitchener, Ontario. He's building his way to financial independence one single family home at a time towards his goal of $20,000 a month in passive income. I love how Matt's embraced social media so well and has been able to use it to really build his real estate portfolio. I think it's something a lot of us are overthinking. He also has such a clear vision of what he's working towards. I love the laser-like focus. But without further ado, let's dive into our interview with Matt Pichet, the fruitful investor. Awesome to have you on the show, uh, Matt. So thank you very much for joining us. And so I thought it'd be kind of fun just to jump into kind of our backstory at the start. So uh, for the listeners that aren't familiar, uh, the way that kind of I'm familiar with Matt is from YouTube. And so originally when I started my YouTube channel, uh, Matt was already on the scene. He'd been doing it for a couple of years. And so I think you're up to like five years now. Yeah, about five years now. And so originally he was documenting a lot of his experiences being a contractor and a real estate agent. And then it kind of evolved into documenting his experience with joint ventures and becoming more of a real estate investor. So I originally had reached out to Matt and challenged him. I think back when I was at like 200 subscribers, he was at like 300 subscribers. I challenged him to a race to 500. Uh, Matt beat me hands down, but uh, not holding that against him. So yeah, just wanted to say Thanks, Matt, for being on the show, and we're just kind of excited to uh, chat with you. So we thought we'd dive into your backstory first. So how did you discover the idea of financial independence, retiring early, or living an alternative lifestyle? Yeah, so truthfully, I just kind of fell into it. I didn't really plan or have any plan to be financial independent. I just knew that I wanted something different from the life I grew up in with my parents. It was kind of middle class, maybe lower middle class, nothing out of the ordinary, but they were always struggling financially. I knew I wanted something different. And uh, I just stumbled across HGTV, flipped that house. That's how it all started, really. That's how I wanted to become a carpenter in the first place. So I always had that seed of investing in real estate when I was like 17 years old and just kind of evolved from there. And I knew I would do something in real estate at that age. I just didn't know what. And then it just evolved. And then on my 22nd birthday is when I bought my first property and et cetera, et cetera. Interesting. So I don't actually know. What were you doing before that? Were you working at a day job? Did you go to school for anything? Or were you like, I'm jumping right into real estate? Yeah. So right after high school, I started my apprenticeship as a carpenter. So again, at that point, I didn't really have any plan to be a real estate investor. I just knew I would like to flip houses, which is why I became a carpenter in the first place. And I did my apprenticeship. And uh, when I was about 21, that's when I first 
got approved for a mortgage and I was like, hey man, I should really start doing this real estate thing and just kind of evolve from there. I think it's funny. A lot of times you'll find contractors are like doing all this work for people, generating yeah. all this equity for people, and then they're like, hey, wait, like I just made you tens of thousands of dollars exactly. and I did all the work. Yeah. Like why can't I do this for myself? What am I missing out yeah. on, right? Exactly. So how have your fire goals changed over time? Do you have any goals that look different now than they did maybe a few years ago? Oh, definitely. The goals are always changing. Um, when I first started, I wanted 10000 a month for my real estate portfolio, and that was when I was going to retire. But within the past year, I kind of bumped it up to 20000 a month. Uh, just because I know what's possible with real estate. I've seen other real estate investors achieve that and much more. I don't need more than that. And that's what I'm saying now. But <laughs> I think that's the top. Like I don't need more than that to live the lifestyle I want to live, which is just tropical lifestyle on the beach, in the jungle, you know, just with my real estate business, paying for everything. That's what I want. So very minimalist life. And um, so for our listeners that aren't familiar with Matt's YouTube channel, you go by The Fruitful Investor. Yeah. Would you be willing to just dive into that a bit more about what that ideal lifestyle is exactly? I know you've kind of done a couple test runs of it too, right? Yeah. So how that lifestyle came about is I've just always been obsessed with the beach and, and the tropics. I hate cold weather, uh, which is why I like to travel so much to warmer climates. But uh, I just really want to live just like a minimalist life, you know, nice and chillax on the beach. And uh, that's just what I'm really obsessed with. So with your goals that you do have, like the 10,000, the 20,000, how did those goals come about? Did you reverse engineer your goals or like how did you come to those numbers? It's just a number I feel I would be super comfortable with to live that lifestyle because that lifestyle really only involves maybe three to 4,000 a month, maybe. Could be done for much less. So I would like the, the, the other five or 6,000 to support the business in case a property needs some work done or a tenant leaves. I have some buffer there. I'm not going to freak out have to fly back to Kitchener from wherever I am or whatever. So there's always money coming in. Um, but again, I bumped up to 20,000 because I want to be even more secure. I want to live on maybe five or 6,000. Um, and that includes flying my family out to visit us wherever we live. It's probably going to be Costa Rica. So I want that budget, but I want the rest of the cash flow to pay for the business. Should something happen, I can sleep at night totally relaxed. And so do you know that $20,000 is that is there a certain number of properties that's going to get you there? What does that look yeah. like? So it's probably going to be around 10 or 12 properties paid outright, cat, like totally no mortgage. Um, that's So the cash flow is going to be probably about 1000 to 1200 bucks a month on each property. So probably around that point, maybe more. Um, but the idea is to buy about 30 to 40 properties with joint venture partners at this point and then sell off kind of like my worst 20 or and just pay off my 10 or 20 properties completely cash and just live on that cash flow. And so I think that's going to perk some people's ears. Why do you want to ha own them free and clear? Why do you want to yeah. have no mortgage, no debt? Just to boost the cash flow and also so I don't have to worry about financial problems. Like I said, if something goes wrong, if a tenant doesn't pay rent, I got to still pay that mortgage while I'm trying to relax in Costa Rica or wherever I am. I don't want that stress. I want it all paid off. Um, and also I can only own maybe only 10 or 12 properties instead of having to own 30, 40, 50, 100 properties to get that 20 grand, which some people want, but uh, I don't want that. Aren't you going completely against Grant Cardone's advice? Yeah, Aren't exactly, you supposed yeah. to be buying 16 units exactly, plus? And true. here you are messing <laughs> with single families? Yeah. And so if you don't mind, kind of explain your basic investing strategy for our audience, because you mainly specialize in single family yeah. homes. So I really like single family. The reason is, is because it's boring, it's easy, it's predictable, it's very low stress, which again, fits my ideal lifestyle. Um, the tenant quality is very high. I always say the highest quality long-term tenant is single-family real estate. 
Um, and again, I just want to stress your business because all my single family tenants right now are so easy. Like I've had almost no problems the whole time I've been a real estate investor, knock on wood. It's going to happen. Something's going to come up. But, you know, I own 11 properties now, zero problems in the whole seven years I've been a real estate investor. Wow. So and this that's is just a testament to single family. This is almost a side note now just for me and Kellen. But uh, earlier today, me and Matt were shooting some YouTube videos and I was asking him about some of his biggest mistakes, <laughs> some of the biggest problems he's experienced being a landlord. And I'm just waiting for the tenant horror stories to come. And it was crickets. So That's crazy because I've had so many in such a short period of time. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, a lot of that probably does, comes down to buying problem properties, mm-hmm. buying other people's problems and being mm-hmm. the advocate to their problem. And then multifamily, yeah. like generally people don't, people don't really take care of their multifamily unit as well as they would a single family sure, home. Yeah. When you're paying the utilities, you're cutting the grass, like all of a sudden you want to take care of this place. Yeah. Well, and I think honestly, the, with more time I've came to realize this, but a lot of problems often are people oriented and so more people results in more potential for problems i think and so i think that's a really interesting perspective i definitely understand the desire to really especially when you're going to live out country to have that yeah. almost completely hands-free no debt no mortgages and no headaches from tenants i think that's really yeah. interesting matt yeah that's a really neat way to look at things so on the wall of your office we saw that you had a <laughs> quote work until you no longer have to introduce yourself what does this mean to you So to me, it really means becoming an expert, which is kind of like my best tip I can give anybody who wants to start a business or invest in real estate. Become the expert to the point where nobody, or sorry, where you don't have to introduce yourself. Everybody knows who you are. Everybody knows what your niche is. And when you reach that point to whatever business you're in, life becomes easy. Money comes easily. Whatever you want, it just becomes much easier when you don't have to introduce yourself because everybody knows what you're about, what you specialize in, and how you can help them. And so I think just uh, circling back to the YouTube, that's a big part of what got you into YouTube, yeah. right? Was documenting that you're an expert, really showcasing your experiences and your expertise. Yeah, exactly. And so how, like you were doing this way before anyone else I know was even thinking about it. What, what triggered your thoughts to, yeah, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. I'm going to be that guy. It all started off when I became a realtor. I wanted to be better at marketing than all the other realtors who were just using the standard flyers and the buses and the benches and all that i knew how to do something different because i couldn't compete with the realtor who's been doing it in kitchener for 20 30 years there's no way i was going to steal his clients i do something different so i started blogging which led to youtube videos because i used to watch youtube videos on how to do real estate investing so i figured why can't i do that and then it just helped my realtor business get off the ground and then next thing i knew it was also helping my real estate investing business because they went hand in hand together so when it comes to branding yourself and having your blog and having your YouTube channel, how often do you see direct results from those versus, you know, this very loose, like, uh, like uh, people recognize me more, people trust me a yeah. little bit more, like how much of it is direct and how much of it is, I'm not really sure. Uh, I can honestly say everything I have up to this point is thanks to my YouTube channel. Everything. Wow. <laughs> everything. It totally changed my life in a sense because it really sets you as the authority uh, when people see you on a TV screen or on a computer screen, it just automatically has this like little mental switch that, oh, he must know what he's talking about or whatever. So that helps. But also, if you're giving true good advice and good content, people trust you a lot when, you, when they see you on a video, it seems like. And then, like you said, when they see you at real estate investing events, they just know you and, oh, you're that guy. Or, right. Yeah. And so I'm curious, uh, circling back, so 
most of your joint venture partners, have you actually like, they found you first on YouTube and then reached out or yeah, how did every, that evolve? Almost every single one saw me on YouTube first and then contacted me. I think that's a really powerful statement that like almost needs to be reiterated yeah. because Kellen's eyes are bulging right now. <laughs> I didn't see that coming at all. And like, it's fascinating to me. I haven't quite experienced that level yet, but I've definitely had people reaching out to me on YouTube yes. about this sort of thing. How did you get comfortable with joint venturing with people that you'd never really met IRL? Uh, I don't really know. It just comes natural to me, I guess is I don't have a good answer. Um, I just like to help people, honestly. And they really get my system. Like all my partners who watch me on YouTube, they get the system. The single family, the easy lifestyle, traveling the world while your business does the thing in the background. That re- or People relate with that a lot and they want that dream. And they see that I almost kind of have it already. So it's working, obviously. So they want to get in on it. And I, there, must be, there must be something you're doing that other people aren't doing. Because we talked to Graham Stephan and, you know, maybe, maybe it's just the market that he had. But like he wasn't seeing direct business out of his YouTube yet. He thinks, you know, five, 10 years from now, that's when it'll start flowing in. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know about Matt, but like, I don't think that he's seen quite the direct results yeah, yet. And, and, but yet for yourself, you've seen massive results. So I wonder if that's maybe videos you've specifically said, targeted like, and said, look, I'm, I'm willing to partner with people and it's yeah. very open and honest. Or if it's, you know, like location-based uh, specific stuff or w- what the deal yeah. is. I don't it's really know, to be honest, but it's interesting <laughs> to think about. Yeah, it, yeah, it's awesome that it's been working out. And so one other thing I thought would be interesting talking about, and it's a theme I think we were starting to notice with a lot of our guests, is you real estate investing isn't your first foray into becoming an entrepreneur. So yeah. did you always kind of have that entrepreneurial mindset, that entrepreneurial drive? So just as a refresher, I'm familiar with before you had your contracting business, yeah. real estate agent, which essentially is kind of being self-employed or having your own business. And now real estate investing and joint ventures. Yeah. Um, is that your full entrepreneurial street cred or? Yeah, that's, I started my first business when I was like 20 years old, which was my carpentry business. Um, but nothing before that. I never knew I was going to be an entrepreneur or didn't even think about having my own business. But I always knew I would do something on my own. I was always very motivated at whatever, whatever goal I wanted, I wanted to crush. Whether when I was young, uh, let's t- take skateboarding. I had to be the best skateboarder in my group of friends. By far, I had to be. <laughs> then when I got into playing instruments and having a band, I had to be the best at playing musical instruments. And then it, then it just came to real estate or carpentry. I had to be the best carpenter as fast as I could, et cetera, et cetera. So I do believe like the notion that some are born with it, I guess, like not to be arrogant, but I think some part of it, you have to just have it. And then the other half, you can learn and educate and you know, be yeah. a good entrepreneur, but I think some people, you just, you have to be a little crazy. And that's why I honestly believe <laughs> is that every entrepreneur, every real estate investor I've always met, something's always a little off compared to the average person. There's it's something obs- different it's about us. Yeah, that's what it, it is. is. That's exactly, that's the best word. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so switching gears a bit, uh, you kind of painted a picture for us of what financial independence, what your retired early is going to look like. So literally, are you going to stop working and grinding completely? Like, are you yeah. going to be completely off grid? That's what um, I like to say. I like to think so. Uh, my partner, my girlfriend says it's probably not going to happen. She thinks I'll just keep doing something. I probably will. It'll probably be a life coaching, which is, that's my true goal, I guess, which I haven't told a lot of people. But when I quit real estate, and I'm saying that with air quotes, um, I'll probably be a life coach, some weird hippie in Costa Rica, <laughs> teaching <laughs> people how to be financially independent. Out of a coconut. And, yeah, that's my dream, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like it. And so I just kind of wanted to highlight that because I know a lot of people at first when they get introduced to the idea of financial independence retiring early, 
they're like, I don't want to spend all day on the golf course. I don't yeah. want to just veg out in front of the TV. Yeah. And so I think it's important that we highlight that none of us do. None of us yeah. want that future, that we're all striving towards something else in retirement, that it's yeah. not just we're going to drop Mike once we yeah. get to that <laughs> yeah. number. Have you considered the idea of, of mini retirements or do you lean more toward just the grind toward like full delayed gratification and then full financial independence? That's exactly what I, what for me, that works for me. I always want to keep giving her, keep grinding until I can fully retire. Then I can move on to uh, being a life coach or really taking care of all my plants and my food. That's really what I want to do is just spend most of my days growing my own food, climbing coconut trees, you know, <laughs> making stuff. That's what I want to do. And it's not like you haven't done any of this. Oh, yeah. You haven't done the six month retirement necessarily, but you've gone on these trips and you've, sure. you've experienced it. Yeah. I try and go on three to four trips a year. That's the goal. Two weeks each. Oh, that's so great. It's quite a lot of vacation time. <laughs> yeah. That's a great balance. And so I think that leads in well to what my next question was. So how have you always had that balance in your life or how did you start developing it? Um, you know, were you doing this when you were 20 or 22 or what age did yeah. you start taking these, uh, uh, mini vacations or mini retirements? Yeah. So the first time I ever went on a plane, I was like 26 years old. So I grew up poor. I would say like super poor, but grew up very poor. Never went on family trips. We didn't have the money. I didn't want to travel at all. Cause I've been dating Rachel since we were 16 and she wanted to go on trips when we were 18, 19, 20. And I said, no, that's stupid. You know, we do that when we're older, which is a horrible philosophy. I should have definitely went on trips, but I just didn't really believe in traveling young for some reason. So once I got the business kind of going, I started making more money. Obviously, I was more financially, you know, less stressed. So we could go on these trips. But when I was a carpenter in my early 20s, I was totally broke. Couldn't, I didn't have money to do anything. So there's no way we're going on trips. I think that's important. Like early on, I understand yeah. the, the just absolute nose to the grindstone, like, you know, that's, that's especially the entire, the time where it's most important to be frugal. Yes. You see that people start losing their frugality a little bit more when they get closer and closer to financial independence, especially mm -hmm. when it's through entrepreneurship and they're seeing that they have a lot all this passive income in, they're seeing their, they're seeing their capability of earning more money. And all of a sudden they're, they're like, well, I could save two bucks here, but I could easily earn 50 bucks or hundred yeah. bucks or $10,000 here. Yeah. So like, where's the effort getting spent? Yeah. And so actually now I'm just kind of curious cause I'm trying to think, I'm not sure but I think I was around 24 before I ever was on an airplane and that was a work trip actually. So uh, I'm just curious, Cal, when, what I, age were you on a plane? I, I think I, I was on planes when I was younger just to like Florida mm -hmm. for like, I think we went to Disneyland. I don't really remember it. And then the only tropical trip I've ever done, I went to Mexico once with my family, nice. but actually really similar, like didn't really grow up with any fancy stuff, you know, like uh, even to this day, my parents are renting and uh, it's, it's uh first generation to go to university in my family well, same um yeah it's it's interesting like uh for me it was just go to get my computer science degree go work in the it field and then now all of a sudden i was like oh i have all this passive income or i have all this income from my job what do i do and then i started investing it hmm. but yeah interesting yeah i was just curious all of a sudden when matt brought that up i was like huh i wonder <laughs> um so you kind of touched upon it matt but just break out for us. What what do your family and friends think about this? Uh, they're very positive now. When I first started, not so positive, but they were still encouraging. They weren't saying, you know, you're going to lose all your money in real estate and stuff like that. But they just kind of sat and watched. But uh, recently, my parents are, are one of my partners. I helped them buy a property. Um, it's doing really well. So they finally came around. But I think at this point, all my close friends and family, they know real estate is good. I'm killing it. <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> to kill it. So yeah, they're positive. And so like, 
was there anyone that was negative towards you or was it all just positive? Did ever, like, and did you tell people about this vision of $10,000 a month from the start? Was that yeah. something you made public and accountable or was it something you kept close to the chest? Yeah. So something I made very public. I don't know why, but I feel it's important to put that message out there. Whether you believe in law of attraction or all that woo woo stuff, I kind of do. So I really believe in putting what you want out there and keep working t- towards it. And then it'll just mysteriously come into your life, which is not mysterious. That's what I believe. But it's interesting. I've I've had uh, it's such a double-edged sword. I think the idea of announcing your goals to the world. I've seen it where people announce it and then they feel the sense of accountability. Yeah. But then I've seen it where they get the gratification by just saying it, yeah, and then all of a sudden they don't even need to work toward that goal because everyone's already heard they're planning on it and they just assume you're doing it now. Yeah. But like, yeah. So I think it really works well for some people and yeah. it doesn't work well for others. It reminds me of like. Oh, like pay for everything with cash because you'll feel it more. For me, I don't feel when I spend cash. I feel when I spend with my credit card. It's like these tips don't work for for everybody, right? Like everyone's got their, everyone's got their psychological uh, reactions to these. Yeah, it's interesting because I know um, I never. So, like, did you make literally the dollar amount known, or was it just that I'm okay? Everything is known. (laughs) That's so cool, man. And everybody was positive. Fortunately, everybody I told or in my family, they're all positive. So when are you 10xing your goal? Two hundred thousand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I guess I, I, it seems like you've already answered this, but are you kind of all in on your real estate, or like, what are your asset? Does your asset allocation always going to remain that way? Yeah, yeah, probably. It's all real estate. I don't really believe in anything else at this point. That's probably a little, you know, not good. I should maybe <laughs> consider some other options, but I'm all in real estate. Obsessed. It's working. So why not just keep tripling down? Yeah. Just keep going. And so like, are you comfortable in, in that retirement? Is your income going to solely be derived from real estate? Then? Yes. Other than the life coaching or whatever else I do. when yeah. I Yeah. And so like things like, so I'm just curious. Now I'm just getting into, uh, I'm yeah. just curious. So is your TFSA anything going on in there? Is nope. it empty? Totally empty. No RSPs, nothing in any of those. Empty. I'm, I'm totally guilty of that as well. I mean, I was quite the opposite. I was hardcore on my RSP, hardcore, like yeah. doing all of that with my TFSA. But as soon as I got into real estate, I saw the opportunity cost of that money sitting there. And I did in Canada, the home buyer's plan pulled mm-hmm. out the full 25,000 from my RSP and, and, and deployed it to real estate. And mm-hmm. I, I don't have money sitting in my TFSA right now because I feel like my return on investment is that much higher, so much higher in real estate that yeah, I, just, yeah, I can't sure. justify exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and sorry, I'm kind of going to kind of double back on a question earlier, but so we hinted upon it, but so you and Rachel have been dating since you were 16. Yeah. So did you both have this vision from the start? Was it something that evolved together? I'm just really curious. Yeah, no, no vision of crazy retirement. Actually, when we were 16, 17, 18, my ideal lifestyle then was to retire in Collingwood. You know, like that was the dream. Like if we could live in Collingwood, wow. And then once we started traveling, we went to San Francisco and Hawaii. I was like, Collingwood, forget that. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just funny how you grow. And uh, yeah. And so obviously she sees eye to eye on this vision with you. Yeah, and totally supportive. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Um, so otherwise, we just kind of want to chat about uh, you, like you're really dedicated to social media, especially YouTube. And you've started playing around a bit more on Instagram. Um, and so we talked about how YouTube probably brought you the most tangible benefit up to this point um are you going to stick with youtube no matter what or yes. would you jump if tomorrow instagram's the new hot i would stay with youtube 100 percent. i think that's the future it's videos a proven concept we've all watched tv from what the 50s it's proven that people like to watch people on screens i guess and learn especially education so if you're teaching on a screen and you're educating 
it's that's never gonna leave ever yeah we've talked about the idea of legitimizing oneself through social media and like you're totally right as soon as somebody sees you talking no offense but yeah. as soon as somebody sees you talking to a whiteboard they assume you know what you're talking yeah, about sure. whether you do or don't yeah and uh yeah there's, there's some real power in that and then it carries forward into real life all of a sudden if you want to par- partner with somebody on something like they've seen that you've you've shown you're capable of the, of of this and so for some of our listeners maybe that are thinking about taking the jump into youtube or thinking about taking the jump into become a social media influencer do you got any tips or tricks that you'd like to share or any any words of encouragement yeah and just be an expert and a specialist in whatever you're doing whether it's makeup reviews or whatever if you're an expert and you make your channel a niche you're gonna do well yeah and so i think that's important you've really kind of focused on a niche with your channel right focusing on the kitchener waterloo cambridge your own real estate market and really focusing on that i notice you constantly are doing videos like market updates and discussing kind of what's going on with the market in general. I think that's really important. And so I think what's great about picking a niche and trying to become an expert in it is that if you have the certain drive, and I think at least the three of us right now, we're the sort that have the drive, is that like you you find a few other people in that niche and then you start competing against them. Yeah. I know that's essentially <laughs> what I did with you, right? Yeah, yeah. Where, uh, Which is good. Yeah. And Friendly competition. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. Good. And it's just, it's good to have that driving force, yeah. I think. You talked about finding that niche too. And recently Matt posted something on his Instagram. I think Joe Rogan talked about the idea of being an, an unusual person amongst unusual people. Yeah. And I think that you're doing that on your YouTube channel because there's people who want to get into financial independence, but not everybody want like, and that's, and that's rare enough, yeah. but people who want to do it through real estate is pretty rare. And then exactly. people who want to, who have this like hard set goal of 20,000 a month and retiring in Costa Rica, like how many, yeah. <laughs> how many people like it's, and then, and then all the other lifestyle aspects, like the, the, like the whole fruitarian yeah. uh, aspects of like, this is, this is unusual people amongst unusual people. Yeah, anything. for sure. And so can you dive a bit in why Costa Rica? Like, have you done a lot of research? Is there like, what's the yeah. tax perspective there as a Canadian? Like, have you dived into all that yeah. gritty details? So it's very lax to live in Costa Rica. Basically, you have to leave every three months for 48 hours. That's it. So you can go up to Nicaragua for 48 hours, come back, you get another three months visa stamp. And it's pretty much that really? easy. Or you can buy yourself, you can buy your way in for, I believe it's 80,000 USD. So you can buy your citizenship which that's very cheap because if, mm-hmm. if you want to live in America, it's 500 grand to, really? to buy yourself in, which, and then they probably won't even let you anymore. But so Costa Rica is very lax. Why they love the tourism. They love the money. Um, they don't really care about you from what I've heard and what I follow from other people on YouTube who are Canadians or Americans living in Costa Rica. They've been there for seven, 10, 12 years and no problems because they don't care. They, they just want the money. That's so yeah. interesting. And it's, you'd be renting at that, at that point, right? You could buy a house. You can buy your house. It's, you can do whatever you want there. Wow. Yeah. No penalties, no nothing. Uh, if you sell your property, if you, if you invest in Costa Rica real estate and you sell it, no capital gains, you keep every single penny, everything. And Kevin's, or Kellen's eyeballs are bulging <laughs> again. Um, <laughs> and so I'm curious, what do you plan to do? Are you going to buy or rent? We'll or? buy, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so is there a particular reason for that? Uh, I just want my own house because I just want my own house with an ocean yeah. view. So I'm very specific with what I want. Obviously, if I'm going to move my whole life, you know, across the world kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I want to be with an ocean view, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you so, want that control of your yeah. life. You're not going to be retired and then have the landlord yeah. tell you what to do. Yeah. I also have a specific <laughs> goal, which is I need at least two acres to grow my fruits and my vegetables. Oh, wow. So it has to be it's a specific goal I got to do. That's neat. Do you, do you mind diving deeper? I think lots of people would love yeah. to paint a full picture. What does... Matt Pichet in Costa Rica look like. <laughs> Wake up in the morning, 
probably from like 7 a.m. to noon, I just deal with the plants. I'm cleaning things up, moving stuff, grabbing bananas, climbing coconut trees. And then the rest of the day, I'm at the beach or whatever, calling the property manager just to check in on the property every week or whatever on the portfolio. That's what the ideal lifestyle looks like. I really am obsessed with health and living clean and the way humans are supposed to be living or what I think humans are supposed to be living. So that's why I have this tropical dream, you know, by the beach, you know, no cell phones or social media as much, just living with nature, which is the whole, my whole life philosophy is just living in line with nature's design. That's the whole thing I want. And so I'm curious, was that something that you've been about since forever or when did that kind of develop? Started basically when I was 25, I think, is when I started kind of going vegetarian and it's before I knew it, I was vegan. It just kind of transitioned and now I'm just obsessed with eating a lot of fruit. So I'm kind of like a fruitarian. Uh, it just kind of evolves. Um, that's what I feel great on. It's what I feel we're supposed to be doing. I don't know. It just feels natural to me. It just, it's just like an inner calling. Yeah. yeah. And so do you mind for the audience members that aren't maybe familiar, what fruitarian, so what does that kind of consist of? Like I, it yeah. kind of self-evident, <laughs> yeah. but if you don't mind just explaining yeah. for people that maybe are less familiar with yeah. the idea of going vegan or particularly fruitarian. Yeah. So essentially all we eat is fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds. That's pretty much the gist of it, but with a high amount of fruit. So at least 70% of my diet is fruit. Which seems that's very great, weird to some people, but it's a great place to live. To <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna eat exactly. That, right? That's the thing. There's so much abundance of fruit and vegetables, and you can grow so much. the The soil is so rich there, which I really believe in minerals, and that's the place to be if you want that lifestyle. And yeah. so that's mainly a raw diet, right? Yeah, mostly. Yeah. And so this is a callback to people that have been following me forever, <laughs> but it actually doesn't even include raw puppies. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you guys aren't familiar, I did a smear campaign video against Matt Fichet, uh probably like two years ago now, where I made a joke about how you claim your diet's mainly raw. And I wondered <laughs> what the other side of that was. But anyway, so let's dive into the fire four. And so we asked our guests the same four questions, although we've actually switched up the very first question. I'm really happy we did this one. So thanks, number, Paul. Yeah, shout out to Paul Plumstead for uh, inspiring us to ask this question. So question number one, Matt, what are you grateful for? Uh, I would say at this point, f the freedom in my life from, compared to what I used to have. My life is very hectic and stressful, and I'm grateful for the amount of freedom I have in my business and life. What are some of your guilty pleasures that you have right now? We know we know about some of your, your <laughs> pleasures that you're looking forward to. What, what's something that you're, that's kind of a guilty pleasure? Uh, I don't really know. Maybe like cheesy romantic comedies or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. And then is there something that you spend, like where you're less frugal, say, with, or something that... Where you're less. Yeah, I'm pretty. Fr I'm pretty cheap. I will say, I, I gotta be one of the cheapest people I know. I don't know. I'm very intense with. Frugality. Oh, you haven't met. Some yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Uh, super cheap. So cheap that I'm stressing about today that I have to buy food because I'm not at home. <laughs> That's the point. Um, yeah. Okay. Awesome. And so, is there a tool you can't live without? Maybe something that it's a buy it for life in your perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say the internet. I'm obsessed with YouTube and watching videos and learning. I'm constantly watching YouTube for education. Probably can't live without YouTube. <laughs> nice. Is there a frugality tip or a life hack that you want to share with the listeners? I would say to start a business or a side business. They call it a side hustle nowadays. Something to build an income where there's no glass ceiling. If you're at a job or a salary, there tends to be like a, a max you can possibly get. So start a business, whether it's in sales or real estate or social media manager, whatever, 
where there's no glass ceiling. So that maybe that could take over your job or become a passion or et cetera. Awesome. And so I'm just curious, maybe building upon that question a little bit. Uh, so originally you started out working as an apprentice in construction yeah. and then you started your own business. Yeah. Before you started your own business, did, were you kind of doing some stuff on the side? Like, did you build that up as a side hustle first before you Not made that? Not really. Leap? I just dove right in. I did a couple things for a real estate investor. He just wanted me to fix up some of his multifamily properties, which now I know he was a pretty bad real estate investor looking back. But that's how it kind of started with the side business. And then I said, hey, I made way more money doing this little weekend thing or at night after my job. What if I just did that full time? And that's how I just quit my job, bought my first real estate investing property, specialized my construction business with investors only, and then it just kind of grew from there. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Matt, for being on the show. And before we wrap up, we always like to get our guests to ask our audience a question. So is there a question you'd like to share with them? I'd like to know where everybody else would love to retire. What's your dream retirement place? And so the best way to answer that question is jump over to the London on Fire Facebook group and Kellen will post this episode along with the question and we'd love to hear about it. Um, Matt's made a pretty strong uh, pitch for Costa Rica, but I'm curious to hear what else everyone else can come up with. So jump over to the London on Fire Facebook group. Also, where can people find you on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube? Yeah, just type in Fruitful Investor. You'll probably find me on all those. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And so I think just one little extra tip or one little sneak, uh, yeah, one extra little tip, we'll call it. One little bonus feature. Um, I know, Matt, if people jump over to your YouTube channel and click into the video description, yeah. they can, uh, w what is it they need to click? And essentially, it's a document that will show every single real estate deal you've ever done and you yeah. share all the numbers. Yeah, so if you go to any one of my videos and click in, in the description and click on my real estate investing apprenticeship program link, you can download my fruitful investor package, which is a 35 plus page report and growing every day of every property I've ever done, currently have with my partners. You'll see how much the property is cash flowing every month, how much we spent, how much we made. Pretty much my entire net worth is on that document. And so I know we got a lot of number nerds, so you guys are <laughs> definitely going to want to check this out. Uh, I'm really excited to check it out. I didn't even know about it until today. So you guys really need to check this out. I think you're going to get tons of value from it. I love the openness of that. And I think that going back to an earlier question, that's probably a big reason why people are so willing to partner with you is because you're so open and honest yeah. about what it is that's going on in your business. Yeah, because whenever somebody asks about my partnerships or my program, I send them that document and they see that the proof is all right there and the videos back it up because I do all the walkthroughs of the after renovation. So they see the numbers, they see the renovation. It's all there. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot. Appreciate you being on the show, man. Thanks for having me. That was great. You know, Kellen, we could actually record this podcast from Costa Rica. I'm just saying. If we can set up a recording rig that'll allow me to record from a hammock, I'm down. And while you guys are waiting for us to record our next episode from Costa Rica, jump over to our Facebook group and join the London on Fire community and follow us on Instagram on fire podcast and make sure you subscribe on youtube to the fruitful investor and make sure to tune into the next on fire podcast where we sit down with aaron a naturalized australian who was born and raised in america and has built up a nest egg in multiple countries while embracing the lean fire lifestyle thanks for listening this is matt and kellen signing off and until next episode remember fuck being normal buying stuff doesn't make you happy and always remember what audrey hepburn said nothing is impossible the word itself is i'm possible